Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 22. We're going to spend quite some time around Luke. I'm taking a break from my sermon series, The Message on the Mountain, um, to preach something I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. So I apologize if you came this morning and you're like, all right, more Sermon on the Mount, let's go. Um, Let's stop for a second (laughs) and we're going to do something else. Um, I want to preach this morning on don't give up. Look at the person next to you and say, don't give up. You, you knew what I was about to do there. You're like, here it comes. I'm going to have to say, don't give up. I'm going to throw you off. I'll, I'll need to change that up a little bit. Look at the person next to you and say, hey. Okay, I don't, I'm just making sure you guys are awake this morning. Um, Luke chapter 22. We're going to start in verse um, 31 real quick here. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that He might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me or deny three times that you know me. Um, Kind of an intense passage of scripture here um i want to say before we launch too far into this message um first of all thank you all for letting me be gone last week thank you for cheering me on last week Uh, i did the iron man race um it was a big deal to me i i think it doesn't take a super um intelligent astute person a super observant person to realize it was probably uh, more than just a race to me last week that I was trying to prove some stuff to myself and trying to close out some stuff in my heart and in my life and and um, chose a really I don't know not maybe the smartest way to deal with emotions and stuff with like hey I know what a great idea is running 140 miles um, or or doing a triathlon or whatever um but it was really good, and I really, really enjoyed um, all the messages and all the, the, I don't know, just the outpouring of love from, from everyone doing that. And I, I have, I think my biggest observation um, after, it was a 15 and a half hour race is what it took me. I think my biggest observation is that it was hard. <laughs> like, really really hard and I don't ever want to do it again like never and so if you ever hear me talking like I might want to do another um just say um hey uh remember when you said you didn't want to do that again remember that yeah um, don't do that so um, I want to say thank you to Shane who is uh he took care of me the whole time he was my chauffeur and and uh 
and I even, when I got done with the race, I was kind of gripey at him a couple times that he wasn't doing things fast enough for me. And he just let it roll off of him, like did not bite back, didn't tell me to shut up or anything. He was just like, I got gotcha, you, don't worry. And I was not real pleasant a couple times. And anyway, sorry for that, but thank you for being gracious. I was tired. Um, I, I don't, this is not a message. I know I'm talk, talking about don't give up, and I know I, I ran that race last week. This is not a message about that, but I will say um, that maybe part of it comes from that. And here's why. This is about the only part I want to talk about this morning, and it is that um, I'd, I'd swam for an hour and 40 minutes, and then I hopped on the bike, and I biked for eight and a half hours. And when I got off the bike, I was putting on my running shoes thinking about, I still have an entire marathon to do. And I just started to cry. Because I was like, there's no way. Like, there's just not any way I can do this. Like, I'm going to fail. And it didn't help that I had this great little ankle bracelet on me that the whole world was tracking me on. So they were going to watch me just completely fail. And... um I was like, I just can't do this. And I sat there lacing up my shoes, and I just, tears, just because I was like, I'm, this isn't happening. And because it was like another five or six hours to go, and I already hurt so bad. And I looked over, and there was Shane, and he smiled, and he's like, you got this, just with that smile. And it annoyed me a little bit, to be honest. I was like, how would you know? You're just standing out there, having a great morning, getting to do fun stuff. And it was hard. And I just, I stood up and I had a little sandwich. I said, I'm going to eat this sandwich and then I'm going to start running and I'll just try to do a mile, right? And uh, so I did a mile. And at the mile mark, they had Red Bull. And so I had myself a little shot of Red Bull. And I was like, okay, maybe I can make it to the second mile. So I made it to the second mile, and they had more Red Bull. And I started to sense a theme. And so then I made it to the third mile, and guess what? Turns out Red Bull does give you wings. And uh, the caffeine made me feel pretty good. And, um, and I will say that last mile, I, I did a lot of praying. I did a lot of crying. And um, the Lord is faithful. Like, the Lord is faithful. And um, as I thought through it, one thing came to mind was that I had trained for hours and hours and hours and hours for this thing, and now it was just over. And it was like, what was the point? You know? Like, it's just over. And what's the point? And I was reminded in Timothy where he says, you know, training your body is of some use, right? It can be useful, but what's more important is training in godliness, right? And it was just like, and they gave me a medal for almost getting last place, which is what I got, which makes you feel a little bit dumb, but I finished it, and I was happy about it. And, and it was like, what, what was the point? Because now it's just like, besides, you know, all the bragging I get to do on Facebook for a week until everyone's like, okay, dude, shut up about it already. We know you did it. Um, what was the point? Right? 
that there's something way more important going on in all of our lives than just some race that we sign up for. Like, like all of us have things that we get way caught up in, good and bad, that don't even matter in the scheme of eternity. I will say that again. All of us have things we're getting caught up in. Some of them are great things. Some of them are horrible things. But neither thing matters in the greatest scheme of eternity. Like I've, we sing a song, Amazing Grace, and we say when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, like we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I'm wondering if we get about 10,000 years into eternity and we're like, hey, remember that one time we got really mad at each other about this? And we thought it was important, and it wasn't, right? Um, remember that one time when I yelled at you because I couldn't figure out what I was going to wear, right? Uh, I see a lot of smiles going across the room. Remember that? doesn't matter. Remember when we fought about what car to buy? It doesn't matter. Like, like, there's so much that just doesn't matter in light of eternity when there's so much else going on. Um, Anyway, as I look, I I think sometimes we give up too easily on things that do matter. Like there's lots of things that don't matter that we make a big deal out. But this morning, I want to talk about the times we give up on things that do matter. Because sometimes we do give up when we shouldn't. Sometimes we do give up just because it's hard. And if there's anything I can preach through this morning, it's Let's not give up just because something's hard. And so here we see Peter and he's sitting with Jesus and they're sitting like this is Jesus last meal with his disciples. And how many know that's probably a pretty important meal? If I know it's the last time I'm going to sit down with you, this is a pretty important time. And as they're sitting and they're talking about really important things, Jesus turns to Simon Peter and he says this to him. It's something that's not really comforting if you think about it. He goes, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has, demand, has demanded to have you. How would you like to hear that? That, hey, guess what? Satan has demanded to have you. Like this is Jesus talking. Satan wants you. Well, why does he want me? That he might sift you like wheat, and we don't sift wheat anymore, but I'll tell you this. It's a process of shaking and beating. Satan wants you so he can just flat mess you up. He can shake you and he can beat you. And then Jesus says something super comforting. He says, but I have prayed for you, which is good. How many know if you're going to have someone pray for you, Jesus is a good person to having pray for you. In fact, the scripture tells us that he is still interceding on our behalf. Thank God. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible is the prayer Jesus prays in the garden. And he actually prays for us today in 2021. And I love reading that prayer. And he prays that we'd be one today as a church. But here, Jesus doesn't pray. But I've prayed for you that Satan wouldn't get to sift you. Because that would be a really good prayer. Like, I pray for you that you will not have hard times, Peter. I've prayed for you that everything's going to be easy and smooth sailing from now on. I wish that that was the prayer that Jesus prayed. But that's not what it says here. He says, but Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. 
That's it? I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. I've prayed for you that you wouldn't give up, that you wouldn't quit, that you continue to have faith. And he's talking about faith in in Jesus, faith in me, faith in your God. Like, I've prayed for you, you're going to go through hard times, but I prayed for you that you wouldn't give up and you wouldn't quit. And then he drives it in a little deeper because Peter's all like, Jesus, I'll go to prison and die for you. And it's true. Peter did go to prison and die for him. That's true. Like, Peter wasn't lying. The fervency of his heart was true in that moment. It was speaking to who he really was in that moment. That really was his character. But Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. You're going to deny me three times before morning hits. And I don't know, this morning as we were praying with the men, it just hit me that some of us, we walk around and the greatest thing that we think about ourselves is our last biggest sin. Like I'm only as good as like how long I've gone without watching porn. And that's the only good in me. I'm telling you, that's not who you are. Like you're a believer covered by the blood of Jesus. Like you're chosen by God. That's who you are. But I I love it that Jesus, he doesn't just say, you're going to be all right, Peter. Yeah, you will die for me. You're going to be good. No, he says, no, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be really hard for you. You're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. When we look through here, um, I'm going to try to find this place. Uh, A few verses later, it says that um, Jesus withdrew. They, They left there and Jesus withdrew in the garden, a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and prayed. And he prayed this, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Like even Jesus has to go through things that are so hard that he doesn't really want to go through them. Like that's what he's telling Peter. He's like, you're going to go through something really hard. And even Jesus is going through something that's so hard that he really would rather it pass from him. But not what I want, God. I want what you want. And some of you, you're going through things that are really hard. And can I tell you, here is my prayer for you as a pastor. My prayer is that you wouldn't, like, I'll pray for you that the hard time goes away. And maybe I'm not full of as much faith. I don't know. I'll pray, Lord, let the hard time stop. But more than that, I'm going to pray that your faith wouldn't fail as you walk through the hard time. Because even Jesus had to walk through something that he wished could pass from him. But he said, God, but if this is what you want, I'll do it. I'll walk through it. And I want us to read this part because I think it speaks volumes when you read it in its context. In verse 54, it says, Then they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him to the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. So we already see the progression starting. Like Peter, who, I'm going to die for you and go into prison for you, Jesus. And what is he doing now? He's already distanced himself from the Savior. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man was also with Jesus. But Peter denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are, the, you are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. 
And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Like, can you imagine that moment that I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, that as he's denying him for the third time, the rooster crows, and at that moment, he looks over at Jesus and their eyes lock. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Like, he went out and wept bitterly like, oh my gosh, Jesus was right. Like, I totally screwed up. I totally failed. And how many times has that been us? Like, we're like we've come to the altar. We're like, God, I'm never going to fail again. I'm going to do this for you. And then we go out and we fall right back in the same old crap that we've done a hundred times. And we struggle. Or we go home and we, we see, man, that financial issue, it's still there. Or that heartbreak is still there. Or that, that sickness, that healing that we needed, it hasn't happened yet. Like it's still there. And it weighs on us. And some of us, we've, we've spent nights where we weep bitterly, where we can't even stay in bed. Like we have to just, like I can't even stay here. Like, I imagine Peter, like, as he's in that moment, and his heart is crushed. And him remembering what the Lord said, that he would deny him three times. I can't help but think that in that moment, he also thought this. But he also said that he'd pray for me that my faith wouldn't fail. Like he said, I'm praying for you. That your faith wouldn't fail. But hasn't it failed already? The answer is no. This passage, would you go back and look at it? um, It has this this meaning in it. Um, Some of you have told this before, but in in Greek, they have different. In in English, we have you and you. It's you and you. Um, But in Greek, they have you and y'all which is southern and turns out southerns are more biblical because we have y'all and in this in this passage it says Simon uh, Simon Simon behold Satan has demanded to have y'all he's actually talking to all the disciples here he's like Satan has demanded to have y'all that he might sift y'all like wheat but then in the next thing he says but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've returned, strengthen the brothers. When you've returned, and so I can't help think as he's weeping bitterly that at some point he comes to this moment where he remembers that Jesus said he'd deny, but then he also remembers that Jesus was praying that his faith wouldn't fail, and then he also remembers his brothers that Satan's coming for. Right? That he said he's demanded to have y'all that he might sift 
y'all like we and it's like and when you've returned simon strengthen your brothers because if this is happening to me if i'm going through this kind of difficulty what's going on with my brothers right now why jesus being arrested and persecuted and beaten and later crucified like i wonder where they're at right now i can't help but think peter remembered these words too and maybe something inside of him gave him just a little bit of hope just a little bit of hope i'm reminded in luke chapter 18 let's read this one since it's close since we're in the neighborhood let's just swing by luke chapter 18 this is the story jesus told and I love it because Jesus liked to use earthly things to give examples of supernatural things. And he says this in 18 verse 1. He says, he told them a parable to the effect that they, excuse me, to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary, that's enemy. For he, for a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming and the lord said hear what the unrighteous judge says and will not god give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night will he delay long over them i tell you he will give justice to them speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes will he find faith on the earth like what he's saying here, it's kind of like what he said in Matthew chapter 7. He's like, you are evil parents, and you know how to be good to your kids. How much more does the Heavenly Father know how to be good to his kids, right? He's saying, here's a judge who's completely evil, and yet he will give in just because of this woman's persistence. Will not a God who loves us do even more for us just by our persistence? Like some of us, when we meet difficulty, we just give up because it's hard. Just because it's difficult. Like, well, it must not be God's plan. I give up. I quit. And I've seen it. Like I'm not getting the promotions I want. I'm not getting the job I want. I'm not, this relationship's not working out the way I want. The healing's not coming as fast as I want. Like some of us, we give up way too soon. What he's saying here is that this widow gets what she wants just because she keeps coming. What about the story where Jesus told, oh, I didn't write it in my notes, where the, the family's in their bed and the neighbor comes knocking on the door because they have unexpected guests. They need something to feed their guests. So they knock on the door. They're like, go away. I'm in bed. But I need to feed these people. I said, go away. All of us are in bed. But because they keep knocking. I finally get up and open the door. How much more is your God good? But some of us, we quit knocking the first time. He says, I'm in bed. I'm like, all right. I'll leave you alone. I mean, you're God. I give up. In, in Mark chapter 5, there's a story of the woman with the issue of blood. 
when she had tried thing after thing after thing to make herself better. I may have done that in your life. You've had issues and you've tried thing after thing after thing and then it occurs to you one day, oh yeah, the Lord. <laughs> Let me try Him. Or you go and get godly counsel finally after you've been struggling with a thing for forever. And so uh, she's, she finally, she turns to the Lord and it says there's a crowd, there's a great crowd. And she thinks to herself, I just need to touch the hem of His garment and I'll be healed. I just need to get close enough where I can just touch the edge of his shirt, and I'll be better. And so she pushes in through the crowd, and she grabs his shirt. Can you imagine her pushing her way in, having faith if she can just grab a hold of him, she'll be healed. I remember one year at church camp, they actually lined up the aisles with workers. I was a, I was a student. I don't know if some of you guys were there that year. And uh, they lined up the aisles with just workers. And, and the altar call, after it was a message on this, this passage right here, now at the altar call, um, he made everyone go around through the back and press their way through to the altar. And he'd given those workers instructions to make it hard on us, right? To make it hard, to not let us. And some of those workers took it very seriously i mean they were just like they were squeezing like we had to push our way through some of them were trying to keep us from getting to those altars and i don't know what it, something about that physical trying to push through like because in my heart i knew there was things that year that i needed for i was a teenage boy like there was things i needed to get right with god and i heard that message and i knew i needed jesus more than i needed anything else in my life and here were all these freaking workers trying to keep me from the altar. And I know it was just a thing, but it was a thing that spoke volumes to my heart. Think about this woman as she presses through the crowd just to get something from Jesus because she knows if she can get there, she can be healed. There's Brian, blind Bartimaeus. He's, he's in uh, Luke 18 as well. I think is at the end. We won't read it for the sake of time. Um, I'm technically trying to go faster because it's a holiday weekend, but I don't actually really care. Um, but I said it out loud, so I'm pretending to. Um, but in Luke chapter 18, at the end of this chapter, there's blind Bartimaeus, and he's sitting there. And he hears that Jesus is coming by. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people told him to shut up. Be quiet. This isn't for you. It's not your time. Hush. And it says he cries all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is like, who's hollering at me? Bring him here. And he comes here, and I love it because Jesus is like, what do you want? The guy's blind. And Jesus is like, what do you want? He asks him, what do you want? I just, that floors me. Um... Right? I mean, I don't know. Some of you are with me. I don't know. He says, I'm blind. So Jesus heals his blindness. He heals him because he asks. Like he made the guy ask. I think that's the point, right? He made the guy actually ask for what he wanted. He cried out and he asked. I think sometimes, like, God, why do you do it like that? And I didn't get to hear 
Wes's uh, sermon last week, but I think one of his points wasn't, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but it's a good point. Maybe I made up in my head then. Um, was like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, why didn't God just stop the fire? Like, wasn't, why wasn't that the miracle? Why didn't they get into the fiery furnace and the fire just stopped? He could have done it that way. Like, why does God do things the way he does? Why is the hardship there even in the first place? And the answer is because we do have a real enemy. The scripture tells us the enemy, it's his purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, that's real. And some of you are in the middle of that. Some of you have come through that. Some of you are going to go through that. Like, you're somewhere in that process. That the enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to make things hard. But Jesus says, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. Then why, why even the hardship in the first time? Because we have a God who's so powerful and so mighty that he can take the enemy's plans and go watch this and turn it for his good. He could take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. Like that's how great and powerful and mighty our God is. And I think... The reason sometimes we press up against difficulty, sometimes God asks us to press in a little further. The reason he, sometimes he asks, well, what do you want? Is because he's trying to get us to figure out our own hearts. Like he knows what's in here. He's trying to help us realize what's in here. Think about Exodus chapter 32. All right, just write it down. Here's Moses. He's led these people out of slavery into the wilderness. Right? And he, go, he says, I'm going to go up on this mountain where there's all this thunder and lightning and crazy stuff going on, and I'm going to go talk to God. So he goes up this mountain to talk to God, and everyone's down there just kind of waiting around for Moses to get back from his conversation with God. And they're like, kind of bored. What should we do? They're like, oh, we should make our own God. And they come up with this really great idea. Like, let's make a calf and covered in gold, and let's worship it. And so that's what they do. They make a calf, and Moses comes down off the mountain from talking with God, which would have been a really intense, like, it's like, have you ever been in a really good church service, and you walk outside, and there's someone doing something really dumb, and you're just like, you're just annoyed. Like, don't you know Jesus, even? Come on. Um, so you... He comes in off this mountain from talking with God, which had to be mind-blowing. And there's all his people worshiping a calf. Like, he just saw God. Or he didn't see him, but as close as he could, right? And now they're worshiping a, an idol. I mean, it, it had to have been one of the biggest, like, I mean, he must have been just completely confused and floored and everything all at the same time and uh, he gets mad and uh he gripes him out because yeah and he goes back up the mountain and god he's like i'm done with them forget them if that's who they're gonna be then forget them moses they want to worship a calf fine let the calf save them it doesn't say that in the bible but that's basically what god was saying right Let's see how the calf does for them now. Moses, I'm just going to start over with just you because you're the only one that seems to care. Forget them. I'm just going to write them off. I'm just going to let them all die. 
And Moses does this thing. He says, no, God. No, that's not who you are. No. No, God, you made a promise to us. You made a promise to this people. You made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, you made a promise. And what will they say about you if you do this to your own people? Like, God, you made a promise. And Moses held God to his own promise. And God said, okay. He says he relented. And he changed God's mind. Guys, I don't, I don't think God really changed his mind. He did change his mind. But I think he was trying to reveal something in Moses' heart right there. Right? He's trying to show who Moses was. It was Moses like, no, I'm for these jokers. Yeah, I'm just as mad at them as you are. Well, maybe not as mad. But I'm for, like, this is going to be hard. Leading these people is going to be hard, God. But I'm going to do it. Because you've called me to it. And he re- God revealed something to Moses about his own heart. In Mark chapter 7, there's this, this woman um, who comes de- to Jesus. And, um, hey, Zach, can I get you to come up? And, and maybe Gabriel and, I don't know, two or three, four of you. I think we're going to sing Raise a Hallelujah. I don't know. Um, in Mark chapter 7, there's this woman who comes to Jesus and she's not a Jew. And Jesus was very clear that he had, he had come to the Jews. And if you think that's weird, come hang out with me sometime. We'll dive into why that's a thing. Because um, this story sounds really aggressive and mean if you don't understand all the context. But just trust Jesus, okay? So she's not a Jew. She comes to Jesus and she's asking for help. She's asking for healing. And Jesus says, no. Jesus says, I'm not going to give the children's bread to the dogs. He's referring to the non-Jews as dogs and to the Jews as his children. He says, I'm not going to give bread meant for the children to the dogs. And this woman, she says, yeah, but, but even the dog get to eat the scraps from the master's table. And Jesus says, you know what? You're going to get what you asked for. Because of your faith. Because of your faith. Like, like he told her no. Jesus told her no. And she was like, yeah, but I'm not taking no for an answer. Because I'm going through something hard. Like, some of us, we go through hard times. And when Satan tells us that will never happen, we believe Satan. Sometimes we go through hard times, and, and when other people, we think they're Satan, but they're not, right? They, they come against us, and we're like, okay, I guess they're right. And there's actually a, a scenario where you're going through a hard time, and even God himself will tell you no. And some of us just give up and quit. Because Satan, people, or God told us no. I'm telling you this morning, if you have the heart of Christ, keep pressing in. And don't give up. Don't give up just because it's hard. Like like Jesus said, I'm praying for you that your faith wouldn't fail. And just like this woman who wasn't a Jew, like Jesus met her 
even though he told her no. He, he met her need, even though he had told her no. We give up. Luke, after he writes the gospel, Luke, and tells us the story about Peter, he writes a sequel. You don't have to turn there. He writes a follow-up. And in his follow-up, it's in Acts chapter 2, in verse 14, this is, this is um, a little over a month later after all this crazy stuff had just happened. Jesus, Jesus actually rose from the dead after that. Like, Peter denied Jesus, right? And then... When these women go to the tomb, because they don't think Jesus is going to rise from the dead, they're just going there to pay their respects and do their thing. And there's these angels there, and they actually say, they actually say this. They say, you know, he's not here, he's alive, and their minds are blown. And they say, go back and tell the disciples and Peter also that he's risen from the dead. Like, they throw that in there. Like, go back and tell the disciples, and also Peter, that he's risen from the dead. And they made it into the story. So the 2,000 years later, we get to know that for some reason, like, like Jesus wanted to make sure Peter knew. And then he appears to them, and they get to see him, and it, like, totally wrecks them. And he gives them this mission to like tell the world and disciple. The same way I've been discipling you guys for the last three years, I want you to do that to the world. And I'm sure Peter's freaked out because like, how am I going to disciple the world the same way Jesus discipled me when I even denied him three times to like a little girl? So then a few weeks goes by and they're sitting there praying and the Holy Spirit comes and falls on them. And Jesus' prayer, it, it comes to fruition. Like, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. It says this, but Peter, standing with the 11, right? With his brothers that he was supposed to be strengthening. Sounds like he's doing his job. He lifted up his voice to the crowd and addressed them and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's, it's only the third hour of the day. And then we skip over to verse 22. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This is the same 
Peter, like his faith did not fail. The same Peter who only a few weeks earlier had denied Jesus three times in the dark of night. This same Peter is now standing up before a crowd and saying, this same Jesus that you guys crucified is Savior and Lord, and he's alive today. Like that's Peter's faith not failing in the midst of difficulty. And it says that 3,000 people came to Christ that day. 3,000 people. And so here's my heart for us for Runner House of Prayer this morning. Like some of us have been going through such difficulty. But can I tell you this morning, like, yeah, I'll pray for you that the difficulty would end. But can I say an even greater prayer for you? I'm praying that your faith wouldn't fail. I'm praying that he who began a good work in you would perform it to the day of his appearing. And whether that's in the area of finances or relationship or healing or, or whatever the hundreds of things it could be, like, like where is your faith? Is your faith in your circumstance or is your faith in your God? Because I can tell you guys, like, there's going to be days you feel like you can't do it. Like the same, same thing, like me putting on those running shoes in the middle of that race. There's no way I can go 26 more miles. There's no way. This is impossible. But Hebrews tells us, like, faith, faith is this awesome thing that we get to witness in the lives of other people, and that's an encouragement and testimony to us. Like, there's all these other people who've gone through something almost exactly the same as we've gone through, and they did it without their faith failing. And if they can do it, then I can do it. Because it's not about me anyway. It's about Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'll say that again. It's about Christ in me, the hope of glory. I just want Jesus to come out of me. So if there's ever been a time in my life, if you've been looking at Drew, and you think, man, he didn't quit. And I'm not just talking about a stupid race. It wasn't stupid. It was hard. But a time in my life where you see me go through a difficulty and I didn't quit, it wasn't because of Drew, it was because of Christ in Drew. And I hope the same is true for every single person, like, standing and sitting in this place. Like, could you actually stand? Actually, that's a good moment for us to all stand, right? Like, let our faith not fail, not so that people think we're great, but let's let our faith not fail so that people think our Jesus is great. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? This morning, I, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you that your faith wouldn't fail. I, I, I also want to pray for a miracle. I also want to pray for a healing. I also want to pray for a move of God in your situation. But more than any of that, I want to pray for you that your faith wouldn't fail. And some of you, you've quit asking God to move in situations 
because you haven't seen the needle move. You, you haven't seen any progress. You feel like you've been stuck, and so you just quit asking God. But the Scripture tells us to keep knocking. The Scripture tells us to not give up, to keep pushing, to keep asking, to be persistent. So there's an area of your life maybe you've quit asking. This morning I'm opening these altars for you to come and ask God once again. I'm opening these altars for you to say, God, I, I need you in this. I've, I've prayed this prayer before. <laughs> Maybe you've been praying it for the last 10 years. Maybe it's 10 years since you've prayed it. I'm, I'm asking you to come and pray it again. Whatever it is you're needing, let's just take a moment here. time to ask come on you have a good father who wants to meet your needs it's time to come and ask it's time to knock on that door one more time don't let your faith fail Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.